Law Focus Podcast. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. It's Vow FM at 8.1 and welcome to the Law Focus, the show with the staunch focus on the law. My name is Bezo Shrinda and for the rest of this evening, I'm going to be your legal guardian providing you with the best of legal reasoning. This evening we are looking at what uh, the, the Joint Review Committee, Constitutional Review Committee is looking at in terms of the amending of Section 25, Subsection 2, accompanied with Subsection 3. Now, Section 25, Subsection 2 provides that property may be expropriated, but only in terms of law of general application. And the trigger effect is that it must be to the public purpose or in the public interest. But also the fact that it must be accompanied by compensation and the amount of that may be determined depending on the property value and this has been the subject of a of a whole lot of debate in the country currently subsection 3 provides how the amount of compensation shall be determined and provides for us five factors the first factor is the current use of that property the history in on, on how that property has been acquired and the use of it it also looks at the market value of the property and also how uh, the state has actually invested into it or subsidized um, the the sustenance of that property and it also looks at why expropriation is being done and particularly that would be in the public interest and public purpose now the current debate in the country is is mastered by your chief in commander uh, which is um Julius Malema uh, and the entire EFF as a party, they're looking at how it has to be amended. But I mean, one would also remember that in actual fact, our previous president, uh, former president, um, uh, Mr. Jacob Zuma, has actually been one to come, come forward and state about radical economic transformation. And amidst that argument, uh, there was an element of expropriation of property without compensation. Now, the joint review is actually looking into that, trying to find out how to do it. And as a matter of fact, they've been going around the country um, doing consultation with members of the public to hear from them what are their views from a legal perspective, from a property perspective, from an accounting perspective, from an economist perspective, but particularly from the voice of the ordinary citizen in the country. Law Focus listener, Law Focus this week brings you a strong debate around that. We are, we are going to be speaking to experts here on this show. We are going to be speaking to one, Mr. Antlantla Sono, who's always doing a PhD uh, in this particular area, particularly a Doctors of Law. We, 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 we speak to Professor Jackie Dugard once again, uh, as you would remember, uh, and she, she assists us in trying to analyze what Section 25 in its entirety is saying and how Section 25, Subsection 2 can actually be interpreted holistically around the legislation that which is accompanied but particularly the constitution itself and what section 25 is stating we are going to also be speaking to mr vincent smith uh, who is on the cha- on, on, on uh, who is the chair of that joint constitutional committee to try and hear what are the strides that which this committee has made law focus listener you're sitting here with basil shrinda and i'm going to give you the best of the best you're still listening to law focus law focus point point of information Welcome back to Law Focus. You're still sitting with Basil Shirenda. Right on the line, we have at large the chairperson of the Joint Constitutional Review Committee, uh, Mr. Vincent Smith, uh, who is going to be uh, sharing with us with what the, the review committee has been doing thus far with regards to the topic on land expropriation without compensation. Mr. Smith, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. Um, good evening to your listeners. Ah, Thank you. Uh, Mr. Smith, um, we are at the heart of um, one of one of the most burning issues of our constitutional uh, architecture, and that is Section 25, Subsection 2, accompanied with Subsection 3, uh, and that is the fact that land has to be expropriated with compensation, and it gives us factors in that regard. Now, I need to understand, um, as much as our listeners also need to understand, 
What is the Joint uh, Constitutional Review Committee doing in brief? Well, we have got to ask South Africans to assist us in answering the question. Does Section 25 of the Constitution, in its current form, afford the state to expropriate land without compensation? If it does, that's fine. If Section 25 in its current form is an impediment to expropriation of land without compensation, what changes need to be effected to allow for the state to expropriate land without compensation? That's the question that South Africans must answer. Yeah. And I would understand that in your capacity, you are there to afford quite procedural uh, um procedural assistance as to how the, those submissions have to be made? Yep, absolutely. We've asked South Africans a while ago, one, to give us written submissions, mm. which closed on the, 25th, on the 15th of June. Those have arrived, and there's probably more than 700,000 of reaching us when we get back to Cape Town. We've also asked all societal formations, whether it's churches, whether it is um, political parties, religious bodies, traditional leaders, to start talking to their constituents to assist them in, in formulating a answer to the question that I've just posed. So it's not about how many people say yes, amend, or don't, no, don't amend. It's about the strength of the arguments that will be provided in terms of why should we amend or why we should not amend. And who's going to be assessing um, those, uh, those arguments? Well, normally it would have been done by the committee of 14 people or 24 people as we are. Mm. And we felt that it was prudent to take it to South Africans, to listen to the South Africans uh, on the ground, what they feel and what is their lived experience. And of course, we will take those submissions uh, that we're receiving now in our uh, public uh, participation and the submissions that have come through in writing. And then we will uh, come up with a recommendation to Parliament which we have to give by the 28th of September. Mm. And, and so far, where have you been? Where have you travelled to? Because I understand you've well, been we, travelling. We split the committee into two. Mm. Uh, group A, which is our group, were in Limpopo for the whole of last week. And as we speak, we are now in Mpumalanga. And then Group B was in the Northern Cape and are now in the Free State. So by the end of this week, we would have covered four provinces. Mm. And um, I mean, there have been uh, concerns of racial divide. Yes, there were. Unfortunately, the, the debate has characterized itself along racial lines. Mm. Many, many, many of the black participants are arguing that the states must have the power to expropriate without compensation and that the constitution must be amended to make that very clear so that there is no court challenge very many of the white compatriots have argued that uh, expropriation without compensation would have a negative impact on the economy, uh, that it would have a, a, or the constitution in its current form allows for that in any case, that it would have a negative impact on food security and uh, also on investments uh, from outside because uh, the constitution would have been amended. So those are the kinds of arguments raised in the main uh, over the past two, three weeks. Mm. I understand. And I think that 
um, to 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 look at uh, what the main concerns have looked at, which has been racial divide, food security have looked at, as as you've also stated, economic stability. Uh, one would understand that should an argument be made for the inverse with particularly to food security and to economy, because some have argued strongly, and I think in your submissions you've noted that, that um, should there be a criteria as to who will get the property, then therefore there's no, there's no issue as to food security and economic stability. Absolutely. I mean, I don't take sides because we need to facilitate many submissions, including the one that we just concluded a few minutes ago. Uh, for those that are arguing for the change, are actually saying, you know, the reality is that we work the farms. Mm. I'm talking about the black guys uh, that have given their comments. They said, we work the farms. We have the experience. So if we're given the land, it's not like we we, we unable to do it. Um, so this argument that there would be food shortages or that the agricultural productivity would suffer is actually not true. It's a much that's the argument that comes from those that are advocating for the land to be expropriated and to be shared more equitably amongst all South Africans, which would mean that black people in the main would be the beneficiaries of the uh, of the amendment of that constitutional uh, provision. Mm. And I think most experts have actually looked at the fact that um, amending in terms of looking at the customary international law would definitely be... Um, of 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 detriment to South Africa, and so uh, has there be, been any submissions to try and curb that issue? Well, look, there have been submissions that have said that look, guys, the reason why the land reform project has been so slow is not because of any constitutional hindrances. It's because of corruption. It's because of ineptitude from government uh, implementing agents. So don't go and tamper with the Constitution, rather fix up uh, the legislative part of it. There's been that argument. Whilst others are saying that it's that very legislative and implementing agencies who have brought us to where we are because we went willing seller, willing buyer route, mm. as the state couldn't afford it. Uh, we've gone the route of, of so many backlogs in terms of claims that, that people have lodged. So... We don't want to go that route anymore. It will take us another 100 years. We want the clause to be included or Section 25 to be amended to allow for the states to expropriate without compensation. And those that argue for that say that that should be a far faster manner in which the land will be shared by all black and white. Mm. But, but that is domestically, in my understanding. I can't hear you. Would that be domestically? Would that be domestic? Uh, so, like, um, in terms of how we we amend the constitution, would the implementation thereof be within domestic terrain? Yes. No, if, if we amend the constitution, I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but if we amend the constitution, remember, we're not only talking here about uh, agricultural land. We're talking also about residential Mm. Uh, and of course, if we came up hypothetically with the recommendation that the constitution must be amended and parliament approves it, then of course another committee will have to take over and do the actual amending. If mm. we came back and we said legislation needs to be uh, tightened up, then again another committee would have to do that. Currently there's an expropriation bill, uh, 
in the process. So that bill would probably have to be re-looked at or fast-tracked. Ours is just to answer the question, must the constitution change, and if so, how? Or if the vast majority of South Africans, and they're not just in numbers, but in terms of the strength of their arguments, feel that the constitution in its current form uh, is sufficient, then, then we'll go and say that to Parliament, and Parliament will have to decide on the 28th of September or close to the 28th of September what the, what the way forward is. Yeah. And so have you seen participation from uh, the youth, particularly? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen lots of participation from the youth, very, very militant, I must say. But then you've also got participation from the youth that are saying the Constitution is fine in its current form. Mm. Just today, I think we had probably three or four young people arguing for and about three or four young people arguing against and similarly would be women so we've ensured that the voices of women the voices of youth uh, the voices of all stakeholders certainly in the committees that or in the hearings that we have we make sure that there's an equal number of men and female that participate and that there's a sizable amount of youth that participate and that we try and ensure that all voices dissenting and otherwise afforded an opportunity to raise their issues without intimidating or shouting down. And I can imagine those hearings have been interesting for you, Mr. Smith. They're very tense, they're very stressful, they're very robust. Uh, but we try and, 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 and to the best of our ability, allow for all voices. But yes, it, it, it's rough, to say the least. It's very rough. People are, are impatient on one side, and of course, people are anxious on the other side that they would lose everything if we went ahead with it. So uh, it's a tough exercise, but it's an exercise that needs to be done. And have you seen submissions being made by perhaps uh, um, participants from foreign direct investment? Uh, how many submissions have been made by who? I beg your pardon, sir. Uh, have, you, have you received uh, uh, submissions from participants of foreign direct investment? No, we haven't. Well, other than the bank who have come and, and, and raised that issue. Uh, when we spoke to the academics, the banks, traditional leaders, and, 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 and so on, it was raised. But certainly from the floor, nobody, well, of course, there'd be those that would be arguing that investment, they talk about investments generally, that investors would be reluctant to invest in a country where the constitution can be changed at the drop of a hat. So yes, not necessarily direct foreign investment, but the so-called investment in the broader terms. Mm. I'm asking that question because I'm quite concerned about how we have, as as a country, we have um, submitted or rather subscribed to international law and particularly customary international law and how the Hull rule has stated for many years that expropriation has to be done with compensation and that has reflected itself in some of the bilateral investment treaties that we have signed and now have annulled. Um, and so moving forward, how would that be taken care of? But I guess that will be that that will be conversed in some of the submissions that will be made, I'm, if they will be made. I'm sure, I'm sure, sir, that in the written submissions, those arguments have been made. But uh, in the main, in the oral submissions, uh, that hasn't been raised. Because you would appreciate that that is a very technical kind of an answer. And the people that you see really are not into the technicality. They're into the politics. Must it change? Must it not change? Uh, but I'm sure when you have the written submissions and you go through them, there will be very many people that would argue about the detrimental effect possibly if it goes this route or the myth possibly if we go that route. I have no doubt that in the written submissions there will be strong arguments made against and or for 
uh, expropriation by touching on the impact that direct foreign investment will have. Okay, that, that was Mr. Vincent, Vincent Smith, who's the chair of the Joint Constitutional Review Committee. Thank you for your contribution, Mr. Smith. Thank you, sir. Have a great evening. Law Focus, handing you your rights. Welcome back to Law Focus, and you're still sitting with me, Basil Shirenda, and once again, I'm your guardian of the law. Right on the line, I have Mr. Nsantla Sono, uh, who's a lecturer at the University of the Western Cape, but in his partic- particularly in his study in the LLD, he's been focusing on the re-evaluation of the court's approach to deprivation of profit- property uh, ever since the F&B decision, which has been quite a seminal, seminal case in the issue. Uh, on this show, he's going to be giving us uh, his input on expropriation without compensation, since that is the topic for the evening. Mr. Sono, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. Um, yeah. Mr. Sono, you find us at, at, at the heart of, let me rather say, constitutional democracy and socioeconomic imbalance. And I think that we've seen many debates around socioeconomic rights. We have seen many debates around land uh, land reform, this particular issue of uh, expropriation without compensation delineates the issue on land reform, delineates the issue on re- land redistribution and, and many other issues around property. Now, you've done a study on, on property in general in the country. You've done a constitutional analysis and hence we are picking your mind on this. Um, I, I'm going to commence on asking you, what is your stance on whether should we amend the constitution in section 25 b um, yeah, thank you very much. First of all, I would like to clarify there with you. Um, I looked at specifically Section 25.1. Oh, okay. Um, which is, which says that no one may be deprived of property except in terms of law of general application, and no law may permit arbitrary deprivation of property. Yes. But again, I touched a little bit on Section 25.2, which speaks about property or expropriation of property. And such an expropriation, again, must be in terms of law of general application. So when I was busy with uh, re-evaluation, it was, again, you must, you, you cannot um, um, separate these two sections. So mm. section 25.1 also goes together with section 25.2. So since you mentioned that I was busy with the FNB, decision on my uh, PhD. Um, I was revolting the judicial court approach, especially when it comes to the decision of deprivation of property. Um, there is certain methodology that the FNB decision is using. And also that methodology touch on exp- aspects of um, expropriation. So if a court can carefully use that methodology, they can also come to an extent where they decide expropriation issues in a simple manner. So, like now, we hear news about um, scraping out of Section 25 and all this stuff. Um, my view there, I would say, Section 25, as it is, has all available resources for the state to kind of have even expropriation without composition. So, it can can follow. Uh, whatever methodology that the FNB decision has laid down, um, the courts will manage, even the legislature, they will come out with legislations that can have all these tools to reach um, expropriation without uh, composition. Now, let, let me highlight that even further, 
because I, I think I need to pick your mind on that. So you're saying to us that within Section 25.2b, we have enough to, uh, to use not to amend. So we shouldn't amend, but we should use already what we find as factors. Uh, after yes. exp- so, so your stance is that we shouldn't amend Section 25.2? Yes, there's no need to, according to my view. Because this section um, has all these uh, um, provisions that can also allow the state to come up with a legislation. And with that legislation, the state can be able also to um, expropriate land as long as um, that legislation does not arbitrarily uh, expropriate or deprive one's property. But it can always come up. If we can go to Section 25, uh, I think it's 9 or 8 of uh, Section 25. So it will say that no provision of this section may impede the state from taking legislative and other measures to achieve land, water, and related reform. So this one is in order to redress the results of past racial discrimination, provided that any departure from this provision um, is in accordance with the provision of Section 36. So if we look here, you might find that if someone is complaining that the land has been expropriated from him and they need compensation, if the state is of the view that this is or this will be the, for, for the benefit of public or it is in the public interest and also has included that in a legislation that it might have come up with, that might be justifiable by the state to say, for the purposes of land reform, we need to expropriate this. Because I'm sure and pretty much sure that, that um, when the state expropriates that land, it won't just give that land to anyone. So also the beneficiaries of the expropriated land should also come into play here. Mm. So you are also looking at food security, you are looking at the protection of property, sustainability of the economy. Uh, yes, in, in, also that. As a criteria of who's getting land. Yes, also that. And also looking at the women and um, uh, food production. Yeah, yeah. So trying to train youth who can utilize land and having agricultural skills and all this stuff. That is, a, that is quite an interesting view. Um, because I'm looking at some of the factors that are found in Section 25.3. Um and and in all of those factors, it states that you need to look at whether there, has a, there is any money that has been received as a subsidy. You need to look at whether there was any compensation that was given to whoever who owns that particular land as and when we are expropriating. Now, some have argued that you, using those factors, you can argue that, well, in actual fact, there is no manner in which you are showing how you own, own this property. It has been taken from past racially discriminatory laws and principles. Now, Section 25.8, now, in, in the reading of most academics, reads that the, the trigger factor should be past discriminatory laws, and that would be Natives Land Act and, and 1939. And then it goes on to look at our Land Reform uh, uh, Act. And, and therefore, a lot of people have said it has failed. And that is how Section 28 is ruled out. Section 25A is ruled, ruled out. That, was, that, was, that is the argument that is roaming around. But I think in your argument, you are stating that using Section 25A, we can still come up with new form of legislation. So scrap uh, um, our Land Reform Act, scrap our Expropriation Act, we should come with new legislation. Is that your point? 
or also because we're still even waiting for the ex, the final expropriation act now at the bill it has not been like finalized the government should at least come with something clear there that will indicate so just to avoid ambiguity on what is it that is should be paid for is it market value or the current value of the property so if they can make it clear on a specific legislation well so far if one can realize there isn't um done that yet so that is why you find like this land reform issue or the track is very slow so now in order to accelerate this government should do something and from there you will say that this will work I hear you, Mr. Zorn. I'm, I'm not yet convinced. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you will elaborate more on this argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you are, you are arguing that Section 25.2 should remain as is, right? And then we find um, factors that which will, will keep minusing the, the, the compensation sum. So here's the market value. We have it now. And we agree that we are expropriating your land and we are going to, we put the market value as the number on the table. So it's 5 million. And then we find factors that are going to keep decreasing 5 million to zero. Is that your point? Um, uh, let me try to also like clarify something. Okay. Yeah? Because let's say, for example, the legislation comes up and uh, the other factors that like now won't even like go way to section 25.2 and say like now we're using it because now it's expropriation the process should take place in terms of the expropriation act now legislation mm. so in that expropriation act what if we might even have something like um a sector like the history of acquisition and use of property mm. and also the fact that the state might want or the court that one might to look at will be like the current use of property so let's say it's the history of acquisition and use of property. And now we find that this property is not currently utilized. And during the apartheid government or the government era, the property was acquired for free or fraudulently and was given to some white farmer. So do you think it would be fair for now to pay, to pay uh, market value? So those are the things that I'm talking about that the court always, when they're looking at that kind of legislation they will be checking how the property would have been acquired would it be fair would it be for the benefit of the public to pay compensation or to allow the private owner now to say he wants market value or something so that's those are the things that i think might be um, useful when considering the expropriation of that uh, composition. Also, with the current use of property, there are so many abandoned buildings. Uh, some have been uh, used uh, for some other purposes, um, which are not like uh, socially viable and all this stuff. Oh. So why is not the government expropriating them? And no one would even claim compensation for them. So those are the things that I'm talking about that the, uh, the court should also look at them. I, I hear you. I hear you, Mr. Sona. You're making quite a compelling argument. Uh, now, in terms of how the expropriation of land debate has been flowing, um, looking at the racial divide and uh, past uh, 
this position because most of the parties that we have on the ta- political parties we have on the table and most of South African citizens are stating that because of um, this past disposition, the land should be retained none, nonetheless. No debates, no principle debates. It should be straightforward that it must be retained. What, what is your stance on that? But the thing like now we have the rule of law. You know, like um, we have our constitution. This is supreme co- supreme law of the country. Mm. And um, if now we want to go against it, um, there will be other issues arising. Now people will be coming up and say uh, they have been violated of this kind of right, maybe right to dignity equality, and all this stuff. So, the good thing is, since I said that we've seen Section 25 work, we, we, we at least have something that the state can use to achieve expropriation without compensation. So, in that case, that will be to a certain extent. So, it won't be all uh, situations. So, it will be a certain situation where the, 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 the state can achieve that. Mm. So now, if we don't use Section 25 as it is and try to to to, to use like radical means, um, according to my view, it might come with um, they might come up with other issues, and um, we cannot avoid them also because it will be against the constitution. But what I'm praying for personally is for um, the government and also the other political party to sit down and come with a viable means that will not even trump the other rights within the Constitution. Mm. Uh, Mr. Ndlantasono, thank you for your invaluable contribution this evening. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. And that was Mr. Ntlantlasona, who's a lecturer at the University of the Western Cape. You're still listening to Law Focus. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Law Focus. Point, point of information. Uh, to, have, to have a hefty discussion on Section 25, uh, on the line we have Professor uh, Jackie Dugard. Uh, professor Jackie Dugard is a professor at the Vets University. She's a co-founder of the Social Economic Rights Institute. Her CV goes on and on, but she's been quite vocal on Section 25. Professor, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Basil Sherinda. So, um, please feel, feel free to call me Basil. Professor, you have... Um, feel free to call me Jackie. Oh, should I call you Jackie? <laughs> yes. Okay, how are you, Jackie? Good, good, thank you. Welcome to Law Focus. Thank you very much. I mean, you 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 have you have to, uh, have written extensively on Section Twenty Five, especially in relation to restitution and land reform. But you've also written a lot on expropriation with compensation and all of the factors that are that are in Section Twenty Five Three. But there's this view that you express. You say that there isn't a need to amend Section 25-2. In actual fact, we can reach zero compensation. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that um, I think the Constitution is actually, and particularly Section 25, is actually an incredibly clever um, piece of legal drafting because what it allows is for politics to fill the spaces. And... What, what I always say to people is, let's imagine you had a radical or transformative, truly transformative government. What would be the problems in Section 25? Is there any 
obstacle in Section 25 to radical or transformative change. And to me, it seems that there isn't. Because to me, it seems that, for example, Section 25.3 says that the amount of compensation and the time and manner must be just and equitable, um, bearing in mind the relevant circumstances, and then it says including, and of course in law, in, whenever you see including, that means it's not it's not a closed list. It's an exhaustive. Um, but including the current use of the property, the history of the acquisition and use of the property, the market value, yes, that comes in, but only as a third thing, the extent of direct state investment, that means the extent of subsidies, um, the purpose of the expropriation. So all of these things should be considered and considered um, properly. So, for example, we know that the extent of direct state investment is almost never, if ever, considered. What does this mean? This means that if in the past farmers got um, massive subsidies from the apartheid government um, in order to, to prop up uh, their farms, that should be subtracted. Otherwise, it's not just inequitable for them to get market value. Um, so each of these things should be properly considered. And, and what I would argue is that if you properly consider them all, you could reach zero or very close to zero compensation. And legally speaking, if you've been through this process, I think that would be just an equitable compensation. In other words, even zero compensation could be just an equitable compensation if you've gone through the process of considering all of the relevant factors. Now, the reality is that this is um, almost never slash never done. Um, but that's a political question more than anything else. And I heard you speaking um, earlier about the failures. And I think we have to be very honest and admit that we have a lot of failures and that uh, land restitution, land redistribution, land reform have all failed. But we have to ask, why is that? Is that a legal problem or is it a political problem? And I would argue that it is 100% a political problem. I would argue that with the way Section 25, 2 and 3 and the rest of Section 25 is formulated, you could pursue um, a radical uh, transformation uh, around land um, in, in, a, in a way um, that, would, that would align with the legal requirements here and you wouldn't have to change the Constitution. I mean, uh, Jackie, one of the things that um, pop up quite a lot is that um, our, our people have been dispossessed, and I'm quoting, our people have been dispossessed, our people have been violated, and therefore as a result, there's a need for us to, to, to claim back this land. But wouldn't we say that that was actually provided by Section 25, um, six, Section 25.7, which provided for, for, for dispossession that occurred in 1913, um, to, to, and those people needed to be given back their land? So... Why are we? Why is there a need for us to to amend Section Twenty Five Two and not focus on making that work on, on making Section Twenty Five Six work? I don't oh, know seven. Seven. You were speaking of seven. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think it is important, and uh, to to and maybe some of the listeners won't be aware of this, but um, Section Twenty Five Seven relates to restitution. Our restitution is a specific process that relates to people who are dispossessed. Mm. after 1913 pursuant to racially discriminatory laws and practices. That restitution process, which is governed by the Restitution of Land Rights Act, that process is closed. 
It closed in on the 31st of December 1998. So, and in fact, the Land Claims Commission is still working through those claims. And according to the high-level group report um, of Chalema Montlante, it'll take another 35 years to, to finalize all of the claims um, that were made before that cutoff date. So as things stand currently now, there is no way to make a land restitution claim. And those claims only relate to people who are dispossessed. Now, uh, dispossessed by colonial apartheid. Mm. There is another question here. What about people who were not, who cannot um, point to or who were not dispossessed mm. um, and therefore could never have claimed restitution? What about people who were disadvantaged by uh, colonial apartheid, but were not actually dispossessed of land. Mm. Section 25.7 doesn't help those groups of people, um, whereas the other sections of the Constitution are meant to. So the sections that you were talking about that relate to land reform and land redistribution and expropriation in order to affect land reform and land redistribution, those sections of the Constitution, including Section 25.5, which says that the state must take reasonable legislative and other measures to foster conditions which enable citizens to gain access to land on an equitable basis, mm. including that, um, all of those sections of the Constitution are supposed to propel the government to move towards distribution and land, uh, land distribution and land reform. Again, of course, we have real failures of these programs by the government. Um, but again, I would ask, is that a political question or a legal question that we have to um, sort of point to? Because I, I, what 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 come, comes out from BLF and what comes out from the EFF is that actually it's a legal question. They, they honestly think it's a legal question that once we've amended, um, then then we can move into expropriating. But what, then what is the doctrinal question? Because it seems like they are muddling up Section Twenty Five Two with Section Twenty Five Seven to say that. I think they are. Okay. I think there is. Sorry to interrupt. I think there no. is a lot of mud and confusion, and I also think the real question for me is how are you going to assess, first of all, um, who you're going to give land to? One of the reasons that um, the high-level group uh, report, again, I'm, I'm referring to the, the report of Chalemo Montlante and his team from November last year, one of the things that they point to um, as being reason for the failure of land restitution is that you have conflicting, multiple conflicting claims and this is not surprising because you're talking about unscrambling a history in which many different groups of people at different times um, possessed the land and were dispossessed at different points, um, not only by colonial and apartheid um, authorities. So what, you, what you've literally got is generations of different ancestors and bones and histories and important histories and, and very emotional histories on the same piece of land. And so you've got conflicting claims. How? How is it possible to unravel the past and unscramble it without a framework that considers each claim very carefully in terms of the equities and the fairness and the history and the use um, in the way that the Constitution sets out meticulously? I actually don't know how one would assess these claims. It's also important to state that Expropriation is a normal tool of government outside of historical dispossession like we have in South Africa where, for yeah. example, if the state wants to create a, a road or a dam they, they, and they do so in the public interest, 
this creates a framework for them to do that as well. So what happens now to Mrs. Butelezi, who's just got a piece of land and now the, the government says, no, no, we need to build a road there. Now, is her land just going to simply be taken and given to somebody else? Um, so there's a whole matrix of things that have to be considered. And also, I think you, you are right to point to the fact that there may be a, a sort of a collapse um, in some of the critique of these different categories of what we what we're looking at, whose land, for whom, for what, and how? How is the the real question that hasn't been answered yet? Is the how? Uh, Jackie, I yes, here. sorry. Um, yeah. So, uh, and and another thing that that comes out is actually, and and I think that it, it I think Gilos Malima comes from a good place with regards to. And I'm not touching on land grabs that much, but I, I, I'm just talking about how he speaks about, in his view, it is in the public interest that people should be given, uh, rather expropriation should occur, should occur to to the advantage of people to get uh, housing or homes. Um, what's your view on that? So uh, one of the things that I've seen that the um, ANC has been um, thinking about um, since its resolution in December is that what about urban housing and what about um, simply making land available that the state owns? Because one of the issues is that while it is true that when you look at um, individually owned land, land owned by individuals in South Africa, you still see a horrible legacy of of, um, dominance of white-owned land. But that only accounts for 33% of South Africa's land. So only 33% of South Africa's land is owned by private individuals. The rest, 67%, is owned by the state, traditional authorities, companies, uh, community property associations. So the state owns quite a bit of land, and I see that the ANC is now looking at that state-owned land. For example... Probably the vast majority of informal settlements are on state-owned land because if it was private land, probably the private landlords would have moved now to evict people. So, the, one of the one of the issues is what, why not just hand over title to informal settlers on on that state-owned land? So I know this is something that the ANC is considering, and I think it is something that is extremely important. I think the EFF is raising a very critical issue is the lack of housing. So this is another thing I think we have to talk about. To what extent are we talking about land um, being returned to people who are historically dispossessed and this being about justice of historical dispossession? Or to what extent are we talking about economic opportunity, housing, jobs, um, location uh, closer to cities, um, and indeed to what extent should we rather be talking about um, distribution in the form of wealth rather than land? So these are some of the, the complexities that I think we haven't yet begun to scratch. Hmm. I mean, yeah, those are, those are three deep uh, issues. I mean, it's also looking at Section 25.8, uh, land reform. Well, so Section 25.8 is one which is hardly ever mentioned. And yeah. I would say that if you, if, if you thought that... Um, like I do, that everything else in Section 25 gives um, a radical government a, a good template for pursuing a coherent strategy of land reform and land transformation, then I think Section 25.8 gives you even more power if you were um, a government who wanted to do that. 
Yeah, because I mean, it's not only mentioned there; it's also mentioned uh, in, 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 in in defining what public interest is. Um, the, the, the yes, it's very clear. The Constitution makes it very clear that the public interest includes land reform, um, and also more than it, it. It obviously makes the point that property goes beyond land and deals with mineral wealth, etc. And we have had large-scale reform of mineral rights in the form of the Minerals and Petroleum Resources Development Act. Um, so, and and indeed, in terms of water, in terms of the National Water Act. So both of those acts effectively made the state the guardian, the custodian of of um, water and of um, natural resources. You know, I'm asking this question because um, the DA leader, Musi Maimani, actually touches on this. He says, in actual fact, we shouldn't be amending Section 25-2. We should rather be looking at land reform and strengthening it. Uh, from a doctrinal perspective, what would be your view? Yes, well, as I say, I, I think that everything is there. I think that if you were a genuine government who wanted to prioritize land reform, land redistribution, everything you need is there in Section 25 to provide a really coherent and fair um, process. Uh, I, I don't, in fact, it's to me, I, 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 it's a mystery what would be amended because I think actually everything is here, all the tools are here. And then you have to ask yourself if that's the case. Is more law going to resolve the question or shouldn't we rather be mobilizing around progressive politics and around making sure we have the correct politics? Hmm. Good question. You know, uh, uh, Professor, we, we learned a lot in a short space of time. That is Professor Jackie Tugard, who's an associate professor of law at Vets University. Um, professor, thank you for your contribution this evening. Uh, you're still listening to Law Focus, and I'm a guardian of the law. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Law Focus on VowFam88.1. Point of information. Welcome back to Law Focus. You're still sitting with me, Basil Shirenda, and we are discussing land expropriation without compensation. We have heard from the best of the best here on this show, trying to provide to illuminate us with arguments on how Section 25, Subsection 2 should be amended, if so, and if not, why. We've listened to Professor Jackie Dugard, and in her argument, she provides how Section 25, Subsection 3, with all of the factors provided therein, explains to us how we can use those factors to give 0% compensation. We've also spoken to Masantlantla Sono, and his argument, he's arguing that using some of those factors as well, we can reach the same conclusion. Although he goes on to say that some of the arguments that which new legislation has to, be, has to come to the table to provide should be that, in the public interest, land reform, past racial discri- uh, discrimination and dispossession should be trigger effects as to how we don't give compensation for the expropriation of property. We have also listened to Mr. Vincent Smith as to how he, how the, those hearings have been progressing. And he has expressed uh, um, excitement as to some of the submissions that have been made by young people that have been made by some organizations uh, that, that are at the forefront of leading society like churches and political parties. Uh, right right at, the, at, at, at the heart of his argument, one notes that he looks at how uh, some of the arguments that have been brought to the table have been purely political and have not looked at the technical nature of the issue. At, at, as much. Now, one needs to understand that Section 25, Subsection 2 has been drafted uh, with inheritance from the Hull Rule. Uh, 
Now, the Hull Rule is found in the Customary International Law, and it provides that expropriation of, expropriation of property has to be done in the public interest and has to be done or has to be accompanied by customary law. Now, that argument was made in Norwegian ships, uh, which was a case that which was heard by the International Court of Justice. And ever since then, that has influenced how bilateral investment treaties that we South Africa and many other countries in the world have signed. Now, some of the in, in the main articles, Article Five, Article Six, and Article Seven of most of those bilateral investment treaties, one finds clauses that state that any country has the power and the right to expropriate property as long as it's in the public interest and as long as it's within public purpose. But it goes on to say that uh, that caveat, or rather that should be accompanied by compensation and that compensation has to be done in the market value and has to be prompt and the time and manner shall be determined uh, by the uh, by, by the contract between the two parties. Now, if you look at foreign direct investment in the country, you'll realize that there are many properties that have been invested in the country and they cannot be expropriated or rather that uh, the laws cannot be changed at any given time without due notice. And that is called the stabilization clause. And it's also provided in the bilateral investment treaties. Now, South Africa has act- actually pulled out of many of those bilateral investment treaties uh, because of how um, uh, this argument has been coming for many years that we need to amend the constitution to provide for uh, land expropriation without compensation. Now, some of the arguments have, that have been conversed at the Constitutional Review, Joint Review Committee, have been that um, agricultural productivity will be reduced, uh, that there will not be food security, and that it, it, there's going to be economic instability, and particularly, uh, uh, quite f- far more importantly, um, is that uh, there's a racial divide that which you need to be aware of before we amend the constitution. Now, one needs to think about how the racial divide has always been clear, especially on economic means, before it was clear on political means. Uh, or rather, it, is, it was followed by the political racial divide, and then it became economical later. And because of how post-1994 and negotiated settlement in 1994, most South Africans never received... Um, the economic justice that which they've been looking for. And now, hence, power, money, and and, and economic stability has, has, has had racial divide in as much as it has had gender divide. So race, class, and gender have been at the center of, of, of many debates in the country. And most people have actually located it on land. And I'm, I'm, I'm specifically speaking about people like CIC, uh, Chief and Commander, um, Julius Malema. I'm speaking about most academics in the country who have, who have studied this area. Now, between me and you, law focus listener, it needs to be understood that land expropriation without compensation uh, is a fundamental issue in the country. But whether it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a solution to all the problems that we have economically stands to still be um, uh, evaluated. Now, the Joint Review Committee is answering the question whether Section 25 inhibits economic progress in the country and therefore that Section 25, Subsection 2 has to be amended or not. And as we have listened to Mr. Vincent, he has provided much access assistance in that regard. Now, Law Focus listener, thank you very much for listening to the show. Uh, we have done the best that we can. And taking it from here, it's a conversation that you can have uh, and extend it further and allow other forums to also have a further conversation. And this was our contribution uh, from our producer, Ms. Bulali Diakobu, uh, who has made sure that this show became, becomes possible. From technical production, Mr. Kutwan Gwinch Serame. And from me, remember that if it's, if it's not legal, then it's unlawful. And if it's unlawful, then it's wrong. Uh, from me, Bezel Shirinda, it's law. 
law it's serious have a great evening listening to law focus connect with valfam88.1 on twitter and facebook be your own lawyer law focus podcast